Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. It's the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast. Our team hasn't lost in a while. That's for sure. Evan Roberts, Mike Biseglia. Uh, we beat the Toronto Raptors on the road, a game in which I have to admit, down by seven at the half, I was not exactly brimming with confidence. I saw a two-game losing streak on the way, losing into mm. Toronto where they normally lose, the Bulls coming up where Durant may not play, and all hell is going to break loose. But a tremendous second half. Defensively, they were outstanding. James Harden was in beast mode in the fourth quarter, and the Brooklyn Nets are on a five-game winning streak. And to top it all off, not for me, but for Biseglia, the Knicks got destroyed in the second half against the Cavs. So it was a perfect Sunday for you, right? Don't use me as a way to get your message across. You <laughs> like that just as much as I did. Let's not lie. Ricky Rubio was brilliant. But I will say the Nets have shown a great third quarter. They've just been tremendous in third quarter. So I'm with you where I was like, eh. It's in Toronto. They're down seven. They never play well in Toronto. They never get wins versus the Raptors. It just feels like they always lose. And then that third quarter, just like the other third quarters that they've had, they've come out with a real punch. And that's been the big difference in this winning streak for me is these third quarters. They have been brilliant. Kevin Durant's been incredible. James Harden took the gap from the end of the third into the fourth. He was tremendous. And this team is just uh, really, unlike last year, they play defense. And it's helping them win basketball games. And they might not have the offense that they did last year, but they certainly do feel like they're a little more well-rounded. And it was great to see. And they got the fifth straight. They're, they're showing the knack of finding different ways to win on different nights. Uh, and it's not always pretty. I mean, the game on Friday against the Pistons in which, to your point, they had that same electric third quarter, but then let Detroit get back into the game. Uh, scarily, I mean, the Pistons had a couple of opportunities to take the lead late. And then Kevin Durant said, all right, enough's enough. And he made big plays, but they're finding kind of different ways to grind out victories. You mentioned it defensively. The numbers don't lie. I don't know what the numbers are updated with after the game against Toronto, but defensive rating, they're a top five, top 10 team in the league, you know, blocking shots. They're a top five, top 10 team in the league. They are. You know, it's not that they're competent defensively, which is all we were looking for last year. They're good defensively. And what was nice in this game against Toronto on Sunday is how Steve Nash re rewarded DeAndre Bembry by giving him some of the big closing minutes in the fourth quarter of this game. Like when he reinserted Kevin Durant, James Harden played the entire fourth quarter, but when he reinserted Kevin Durant and he reinserted Blake Griffin, he kept Bembry in the game. Mm -hmm. And rightfully so, because whether it's the eye test or it's statistically what he's doing against guys he guards. DeAndre Bembry has been one of those reasons why this is such a better defensive team this year than last year. Yeah, he really gets in the passing lanes. He guards the perimeter really well, and he's done a nice job hitting down that corner three-point shot. He's hit a couple big threes for them, and he reminds me of last year's Bruce Brown, where Bruce came out of nowhere, helped the Nets get wins. He was 
uh, yeah, we traded for Bruce Brown. He's on this roster. We'll see what we have. This is what it feels like with Bembry now, where he definitely feels like he's a major part of this rotation where you need him in on defense. You need him as a spark in the second unit. And he's been really fun to watch for this Nets. And he gives the Nets a little bit of athleticism. He had the one dunk tonight versus the Toronto Raptors, where I thought maybe a delay of game or technical foul was going to be called, where he was hanging on the rim after he slammed it home. And it was cool to see him there, too, where I believe it was Durant passing the ball to the perimeter. And instead of just taking the three, he was aggressive, drove the hoop, and got the dunk. And defensively, he's been great. But what's impressed me, too, offensively is it doesn't feel like he's forcing bad shots or taking ones that he should not. He's playing within the offense, and he knows his role. Uh, he feels like somebody now that has to be a part of this rotation, has to be there, and you could not live without as he is an integral part of this team and a big part of this net second unit, well, which has been really good. Yeah, you're you're seeing over the last couple of games how Steve Nash wants to run this. Like LaMarcus Aldridge is a huge part of the second unit. He is a machine hitting the mid-range jump shot. Obviously, it's not going to continue at the percentage he's hit it at, 75 80%. But that second unit, there are a couple of guys who are who have to be there. Obviously, LaMarcus Aldridge, DeAndre Bembry, uh, Patty Mills is a big part of the second unit, which gives him a little bit of offensive fire. But the, the encouraging thing, I think, over the last couple of games has been Blake Griffin. Not that we were ready to panic on him, not that we were ready to cut him, but Blake got off to a brutal start this year. And it wasn't yeah. just simply not being able to hit threes. But when Blake hits his threes like he did against Toronto – then this offense becomes even more fierce because Blake Griffin finds himself open in the corner three or four times a game, just based on the ball movement, which has become crisper the last few days, based on playing with Harden and Durant, Blake Griffin's going to get the open corner three. He just got to hit it. Now, the real reason he's here, and now we've got a name for it, and I'm sure the apparel will be sold, is he's a part of, he's the president of the Blue Collar Boys which became a thing apparently today because I had never heard of the blue collar boys, but Blake Griffin and Joe Harris are the presidents of it. They have allowed Patty Mills to join the blue collar boys, and they're not fully sure if Kevin Durant will ever be able to join them, even though KD does a great job of doing those little things throughout a game, including taking charges like he took one today. But Blake Griffin, and I know we've mentioned this before, how he has become the blue collar basketball player. Right. The grinded out, take charges, falling all over the floor for the loose ball guy. How Blake Griffin's become that guy is incredible. But the last two nights, the revenge game against the Pistons and obviously the Sunday game against Toronto, we saw the value of why Blake Griffin's on this basketball team. Yeah, they're doing the things where they bring the boots up. They put the hard hat on. He had the one great. Play. Well, let's let's start with this. The game in Detroit when the Nets were up three. Durant missed the shot, and then Blake was able to deflect it back, got it yep. back, and then Durant drove the hoop, got it to five, game was over. And tonight he had the one play where he dove pretty much like 10 yards and went on. Was, it looks like he was on a slip and slide going to get a loose ball and then chucked it down court. The Nets actually it was Joe Harris who missed the three, but if it's taking charges, and now, as you said, it's infectious with the other players where – I saw, you know, Paul Millisap tried to take one today, didn't get the call. It was a defensive call. Uh, Patty Mills coming in with this energy. And, you know, as corny as it is, it's nice to see something like that, especially for your second unit and for the guys that, you know, Blake Griffin, Patty Mills, now Joe Harris. I, I mean, you know, Patty Mills is one. 
Blake Griffin has gotten close to winning, but these are veteran players. And to see them loose and having fun and doing stuff like that, it gets you a little giddy. It gets you a little excited and it makes you feel good that it's not just ho-hum. It's the regular season, game 10 in Toronto, whatever. It won't matter when it's April. It's fun to see them hustling, playing for these loose balls and starting to get an energy and a group and a rhythm together, Well, especially with that second unit school. I don't know if you heard the podcast from months and months ago that Draymond Green and Kevin Durant did together. I guess it was on KD's podcast or maybe it was Draymond's podcast. I can't even remember. But one of the many things they talked about that was really interesting, and I was thinking about it over the last few days as they're you know playing games throughout the regular season, was Kevin Durant was talking about how the Warriors used to have to find a way to motivate themselves during the regular season, Mm. how they would say, oh, okay, we've got this seven-game stretch. Here's our goal. We're going to do this, this, and this over the seven-game stretch just as a way to keep themselves motivated because obviously the Warriors knew what the end game was, and that was to get to the playoffs healthy and go in an NBA championship. This is a new world for us. I think you and I still look at every single game and say, hey, we want to win. We're still anal about the standings. You know, we're still viewing, you know, where they are in the Eastern Conference. But I was thinking, like, God knows what they're saying behind the scenes to motivate themselves through these Hmm. regular seasons and through these regular season games. You know, whether it's Blake Griffin looking for revenge against his former team, whether it's Kevin Durant looking for revenge against the fans who cheered when he dealt with that brutal injury a couple of years ago, whether it's creating little groups like the blue collar boys or whatever they come up with, you see a team that I know behind the scenes is trying to find ways to keep themselves motivated because it could be easy to let it become ho-hum. And, you know, it's funny, you look at their schedule after the game on Monday against Chicago, because the Bulls are off to a good start. They play the Magic in Orlando. They play the Pelicans in New Orleans. They play the Thunder in Oklahoma City. And you look at that schedule and you say, oh, my God, I mean, the combined record of those three games at the back end of this road trip, it's pretty brutal. It's like six and 25, whatever it adds up to. And I can only imagine the motivation games that Kevin Durant and James Harden and Blake Griffin are probably going to have to come up with to stay motivated because you saw it in the Piston game. As great as they looked in the third quarter, bro, the the Pistons came a bucket away from taking the lead. Kate Cunningham missed a three to give him a lead with two minutes to go. Isaiah Stewart missed an offensive rebound opportunity to give him a lead with a minute to go. Now, they may hit those shots. Nets may win anyway, especially since KD was in closing mind mode. But you could see it over the course of a game that that focus can go away real quick. Yeah, I do think, though, because it's so new and so basically new, they were two and three to start the season. They weren't playing well. They're on this five game winning streak. I still do think they're starting. They're trying to figure each other out and learn each other and learn the team. So it's not like a little different, I would say, than the Warriors, where they were pretty much automatic when it was KD, Kyrie. Clay, Draymond, they had won before, and now they were really looking for something to be motivated. I still do think there's an early sense of we're trying to figure each other out and trying to know exactly what spots we need. You know, what, what does it look like when these guys are on the floor together and learning each other? So I think there's something that we're still in the early phases, and I think they're they're just having fun. I think they're at the point where they're having fun. Now let's get to February, March, and it's getting to the point where, you know, Guys are missing games, little injuries here and there. The Nets are three games back of this, but six games up on that. And they're kind of their fate is this. 
then I think we'll get into that. But I think it's still early, early enough, Evan, where they're still just having fun and trying to figure it out. And they don't need that kind of early motivation at this point. Uh, one guy who clearly is motivated is James Harden to try to shut everybody up, but he isn't finished. He isn't fat. He isn't washed up. I think every game we're seeing more and more positive signs towards James Harden getting back to who James Harden is. And this game against Toronto, we saw the close. I mean, we saw mm. James Harden really take over the fourth quarter of this game. I think he was six for eight from the field in the fourth quarter, hit a couple of big threes that we thought were the daggers until the Raptors yeah. sort of made it made us sweat a little bit uh, when the Nets were turning the ball over a little bit. But Harden was two assists short of a triple-double. He had the triple-double on Friday. He's coming back. I mean, you, you see it. That first step is coming back. That confidence to take it to the basket is coming back. Because at times, James Harden has seemed kind of tentative to take it to the basket. Uh, because when he does and when he gets into the paint, look at the open shots that are created for some of his teammates. So I thought this game against Toronto, especially in the fourth quarter, when he was the closer. Kevin Durant took one shot in the fourth quarter against the Raptors. You know, he wasn't yeah. asked to or needed to be the closer. It was James Harden territory. So it is getting more and more encouraging that he's getting back to who he needs to be. Yeah, he had one play in particular, I remember, and it wasn't anything fancier, the dribbling or the threes, but he had an offensive rebound and then he had a little floater back. It was just so huge in a momentum sw switch, which made it from eight to 10. And it was just such a little play, but it was such a big one from James Harden. He was fantastic there. And I think it's, there's this one play in particular, and I'm sure you saw it when he's driving to the hoop and there was no offensive, there was no foul called, no defensive foul called. Yeah, that was, was the turnover. And it was like, if you look at the replay, there's a little bit of his old arm hook, a little bit of it. But at the same time, it's like if you look at the play, I mean, he was clobbered on it. I, I, I don't know how that's they want to make this the poster child for it. And I get it. And, and it's better for the game of basketball. I dislike it because I want to win a championship and I really don't care at this point. I know it's good for the sport, but give me one season of James Harden get to the line 36 times and then we can move on. So, but I do understand, I, yes, it's for the flow. We don't need this crap, Trey Young, the whole deal. But then it gets to a point where there's got to be still where he's getting some calls. I mean, he was happy. That, that was that one play. Gary Trent was the one who did it. He basically bear hugged him. It was late third quarter. It was a brutal call. I and mean, there's just no, there's no defending it. And I think that's one of those examples. Not that this is the majority, but it's one of those examples where clearly the officials see it's James Harden. They realize that there's no, there's this new edict and they're letting plays go. And I'm not overly worried about a call like that. Cause I think that's going to change. We're still early in this season. We're not even a month into this NBA season. And I've seen in all sports, including the NBA point of emphasis is call point of emphasis uh -huh. calls kind of disappearing. Not to say that by the time we get to February, it's going to be like two years ago. I'm not saying that. But I do think that a non-call like that, an egregious non-call like that, is eventually going to be called again. I think that's a perfect example, and I can see why this would piss James Harden off, a perfect example of this was literally not called because it was James Harden driving to the basket. Mm -hmm. And I forget who tweeted this, somebody from Nets Twitter, and it cracked me up. It was so funny and so true, where the guy or gal, I can't remember, said, someone's got to make a video the way Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad did for Odell always being quote unquote open of the James Harden foul calls that he's not getting and send it to the league.
<laughs> because Ooh. there's like one a day in which you'd say, come on, man. Like, I get it. You're trying to not call everything, but that's a foul. So I don't have the time to do it. You don't have the time to do it, but somebody's got to do it because at least once a game, there's a Gary Trent like non-call the one from the Toronto game that you could circle and send to the league, but I'm not panicking over it because I just, I think that this stuff is going to even out. Not that Harden's going to end up at the line 15 times a game by the end of the season. I'm not saying that, but I think the obvious call will eventually be called again. It is the boy who cried wolf a little bit for James Harden because the last decade or so he's been getting all of these calls and he puts his hands up and every time he does it, they get the foul. So now he does it the same thing, but it's like, nope, not going to get it. Even though if you actually look at it, he's not lying this time. He's being serious. He should be getting the foul call and it's annoying and it has to be frustrating for him. And I think maybe the one change I've seen in his game and granted, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I watch all of James Harden's games when he was on the, the Rockets in particular when he became the superstar, but it does feel as if he's getting more shots where he is not the playmaker and he's the secondary guard and somebody's giving him the ball and he's taking threes in motion. It does feel like he's getting a, a few more spot up shots than I had ever seen all of last year in particular. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Uh, a couple of other things. Do you think that Durant, because Steve Nash didn't say one way or the other, he kind of hinted before the game. We'll see about KD on the back-to-back with the Monday night game against the Chicago Bulls. He ended up playing about 36 minutes in this game. Harden actually played more minutes, including the entire fourth quarter. He played 38 minutes in this game. We haven't seen them rest either of the superstars yet. Is this the time to do it Monday against Chicago? It feels like it is. Just coming off a nice win versus Toronto, a back-to-back on the road versus the team that's had success early on, that's played well. It's a young team. This feels like the perfect time in Nets world to rest Kevin Durant because he's not going to play all 82 games, even if he's healthy. They're going to give him rest. If they don't rest him tomorrow, well, I mean, this is just a perfect time to do it. And I guess as the season changes and goes along, there'll be different opportunity and things change in the grind of February, March, et cetera. But boy, this feels like the time they played 10 games. So they are, you know, one eighth into the season. It's on a back-to-back. It just, he kind of hinted at it before. It seems too perfect. And I would be, obviously, I want to see him out there. I love seeing him play. But I won't be disappointed because of the long-term idea and goal of this franchise. I would predict he doesn't play. I, I would I would be pretty surprised, actually. This this feels like the perfect time to rest him. Well, it's funny. They, they don't have that many back-to-backs. But they have had one so far this year. He played on both ends. But the back-to-back was at home, and I do think that matters. You know, when you're playing Mm back-to-back games in your own building, there's no travel. You're not going to different hotels. I mean, in this case, you're going through customs. I I assume they have it even when you're flying private. I'm sure you still have to, you know, you're leaving the country. So I assume it's not as easy as flying from, you know, New York to Miami, but whatever. So you are going from Toronto to Chicago, not that it's the longest flight in the world. You are sleeping in a hotel. Uh, so I I kind of agree with you that they're going to sit him only because why would Steve Nash bring it up 
and then not do it. He ended up playing 36 minutes. It's not as if they got away with him only playing, you know, 28, 29 minutes, which I can't imagine barring injury, Kevin Durant playing 28 or 29 minutes because Steve Nash is the opposite of Kenny Atkinson. Steve Nash ends up coaching every game. And I'm not saying this in a negative way. It's just an observation. He coaches every game as if it's an important game. Not that it's a playoff game, because obviously he played Kevin Durant every single minute of certain playoff games. But it would almost be impossible to imagine a scenario where Steve Nash is somehow keeping Kevin Durant's minutes in the high 20s and low 30s. Like, it doesn't happen. He plays 35, 36 minutes a night. And we're seeing exactly how he does it. He plays the entire first quarter, Durant. Mm -hmm. He'll come back at about like the six minute mark of the second quarter. He'll play the entire third quarter, get a couple of minutes of rest in the fourth quarter, and then come back for the latter stretch. And that usually adds up to 37, 38 minutes a night. Yeah. And the night, the little difference though, was James Harden getting the full fourth quarter and not um, having him and Durant out at the same time. He made sure that did not happen, but yeah, it's really predictable now with KD. You could, you could, I was, my wife was sitting next to me watching the game. I'm like, watch this. Like I snapped my finger. Kevin Durant's going to come off the bench. He's going to walk towards the scorers table. I can predict this. Now you can do this. You can figure it out. I don't see a world unless it's a crazy blowout where he plays 26 minutes and I guess if it's a competitive game, you know, he'll be there for 42 minutes. I don't think we'll see anything like last year where he missed the first 18 minutes of the game and then came in and finished it out and ended up with 30 minutes based on playing the second and third and then most of the fourth quarter. It seems like they've got a rhythm with KD. It's 36 minutes when he plays and then he's going to rest. I don't think he'll – and if it's less, it's going to be because – this, this game is out of control. If it's going to be a little bit more, it's because it's a big, big game and it's tight, but it feels, it feels pretty predictable right now where you know where he's coming in. And we gave Kenny Atkinson a lot of crap because the rotations got predictable, but there is a nice sense and a nice feeling when you're winning in particular, where, you know, this is when he comes in, this is the bench doing their job. They, it was an, it was a, you know, seven point lead going to the fourth quarter. It got to 10 with six minutes left in the, in the fourth KD comes back in, close this thing out. Yeah. And I think it started about three games ago where Nash has had moments in games where both Durant and Harden were off the floor. Like for the first part of the year, he was always managing the minutes, staggering them enough where one of the superstars were on the floor. I think it started maybe the Indiana game where there'll be sequences where he'll run with a Mills, Harris, Bembry, Millsap, LaMarcus Aldridge run. In the game against Toronto on Sunday, he only did that for about four minutes in the first half, and that was it. To your point, in the second half of this game, he always made sure he had one of these superstars on the floor. Now, that's a lot easier to pull off when you got three superstars like they huh. had for – five minutes last year it's a little bit different when you only have two of them but he's managed to limit the amount of time and and by the way the the five minutes in the toronto game where he ran without duran or harden it wasn't awful like it wasn't the worst thing in the world obviously that's tough for any kind of extended period of time but it, they didn't get buried during that stretch i would be intrigued if durant doesn't play because i assume harden's gonna play now, James Harden's never been a, a rest day kind of guy. Plus, he's playing himself back in NBA shape. Uh, there's a part of me intrigued about just James Harden leading the team. Remember that great comeback they had last year on the road against Phoenix when it was only oh, yeah. James Harden? I think Irving was out. Durant was out. 
and Harden was the guy that led them. So it'd be kind of fun going into the bowl game, and the Bulls are off to a really good start with us being the dog, not expecting much. All right, we got a five-game winning streak. Let's see what happens. And then maybe James Harden has that Jason Kidd on steroids kind of performance, and somehow the Nets pull off an upset in Chicago against the Bulls. We'd be fired up if that happened. That Phoenix win last year was one of my all-time favorite net wins that I've seen in the last 10 years. It was so much fun being, being down 20 points, coming back. Harden was just brilliant in that game. I mean, absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah, this could go either two ways if Durant doesn't play. James Harden's one for 11 from three, and the Nets are down 27 in the third, and you're like, okay, this is not happening. Or he's <laughs> tremendous, and he's eight for 11 from three, and he's dishing, and Bruce Brown's hitting the floater, and Joe Harris is having one of those five for eight games from three, and they're in this game. I feel like with Harden, if he's going to leave the Nets and there's no, no Durant, you're not going to get, like, he was good, but the Nets didn't have enough. It's either going to be brilliant, he's out of control, unbelievable playing, or like, oh my goodness gracious, another step back three from Harden that he missed. This is disgusting. <laughs> Please pass the ball. I, I can't imagine anything in between. It's going to be like the two extremes if Durant's out. Yeah. So I, I promised this on the Saturday show I did because I think it would be a fun exercise for five or ten minutes. And that's, all right. If the Brooklyn Nets are really listening to offers on Kyrie Irving, as Adrian Wojnarowski has implied, well, what would be the deal, realistically, for you and I to say yes? And so I talked a little bit about it on the Saturday show, got a few calls about it, like, hey, okay, would you make this trade? Mm -hmm. Including one guy who said with a serious face, hey, Evan, would you trade Kyrie to L.A. for LeBron James? To which I said, are you serious? Is that really a question? So... If the Nets are really entertaining this, I did ask people on Twitter, and I mentioned it on the air, send me a realistic Kyrie Irving trade. And, and I know it's tough because it is difficult to put yourself in the shoes of other teams when we're not watching them all the time. Right. And obviously, the million-dollar question would be, would Kyrie Irving even go to that place? So as we play this game, we'll do the best we can to do three things. Number one, would we make the trade? Right. Number two, would the other team even consider making the trade? And, of course, the third part, would Kyrie Irving ever consider going to that place? That's so are one. you ready to play the Kyrie Irving trade game? Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Number one, <clears throat> from Dark Knight 33, Bradley Beal and Montrez Harrell for Kyrie Irving. Your thoughts? Nets, Yes. But is Bradley Beal then getting vaccinated because we got a deal for him? He has to play. Uh, from a Washington <laughs> perspective, yeah, yes. Would Kyrie do it? Probably not. Yeah, I mean, the first of all, what's great is that trade works in the ESPN trade machine. So right, I give Dark Knight 33 credit. Either he got really lucky or he did a little bit of research before he made the trade. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The number one thing on this is Bradley Beal is unvaccinated. <laughs> that would be the best. I mean, <laughs> oh my God. like he has to then. Can you imagine if, well, first of all, I can't imagine the Nets would, I'm sure, try to find out ahead of time. Hey, is Bradley Beal willing to get vaccinated? That one's easy to me. That's an easy yes. I mean, Bradley Beal's an excellent player. He was rumored as the, third star they were going to try to trade for before James Harden anyway. I think, again, he would fit perfectly. It would make this a dynamic offensive team. 
Montrez Harrell, whatever. I think that's more to make the money work, though. I bet you the money works even if it's just Beal for Irving straight up. I don't even think Montrez Harrell needs to be in it. So, yeah, I'd make that trade, number one, if Bradley Beal is vaccinated. Would Kyrie Irving do it? Um, I'm not I'm not as know about it as you are, man, because him and Dinwiddie are boys. It's relatively close to where he lives geographically. The Wizards think they're a pretty good team. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if Kyrie Irving's willing to be traded anywhere, I, I don't know if Washington would be a hard no. And I, the Wizards doing it, I don't know, man. I think they want Bradley Beal long-term. I think that's a piece they want to keep around long-term, and they would have to worry, well, is Kyrie Irving going to want to be here long-term? But for us, yeah, I think we both make that trade. Could you imagine if, let's, let's just say they make that deal, and then Bradley Beal's like, no, nah, I'm not getting vaccinated, and then Kyrie Irving comes into Brooklyn as a non-vaccinated Wizard player, but he can play because it's the rules there, and goes in and has the time of his life against the Nets. You could just see that happening, too. <laughs> Tony Alfano said Kyrie Irving to the Houston Texans for Deshaun Watson and two cheerleaders. Okay. Thanks for that one. Josh Sobin says Kyrie for Ben Simmons makes a lot of sense for both teams. Nets need defense and don't need scoring. I am so sick of hearing that crap. First of all, the Nets have been excellent defensively. And number two, forgetting about the players for a second, I don't want anything to do with Ben Simmons. I don't. Uh, I think if he's faking mental illness, to force a trade that's as bad as any kind of forced trade as we've ever seen it's worse than james harden it's worse than anthony davis and there's reason to believe that ben simmons is bsing everybody in philadelphia so i don't know about you for many reasons beside basketball i have zero interest in acquiring ben simmons period yeah and then the other part is kyrie irving plays in philadelphia and has teamed up with joel Embiid. that is serious talent right there two guys that really could complement each other really nicely as well and the sixers are off to a really good start this season. I believe eight and two. Could you imagine if you added a piece like Kyrie Irving? It's such a more natural fit for them to have a playmaking guard that can score and play off and bead. That Sixer team would legit scare the crap out of me seeing them come play the Nets. Yeah. That would like, and we have to, when you break down these trades, you have to think about it. Kyrie then plays for the Sixers with Embiid. That's a that's a legit problem in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I think one of the rules you have to make, I would certainly have, is I can't trade him to a, a specifically an Eastern Conference team. Western Conference team, I can't worry about. That's the NBA Finals. That's a different animal. I can't trade him in conference to a team that's a threat. And the Philadelphia mm-hmm. 76ers, without Ben Simmons, are off to a really good start. You had Kyrie Irving to that mix for a guy who hasn't played a game yet this year. I mean, you're basically making the Sixers, if not better than you, a major threat to you. So I completely agree. I think besides not wanting Ben Simmons, that's just a team you can't deal with. Same thing with the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, not that there's a trade that makes sense. I'm just not trading Kyrie Irving to the Milwaukee Bucks. Same thing with the Atlanta Hawks. Like, the teams that you view as major threats in the Eastern Conference, and and I don't view Washington that way. Maybe that's why I'm comfortable making a deal with them. Uh, You have to say no to this, this one made me laugh and actually also pissed me off at the same time. Julian tweets, Kyrie Irving for Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> yeah. Because um, they could have re-signed him, yeah. bro. I mean, it was all about the tax. He should be on this roster right now. I would say no with the faith that Kyrie comes back and the idea that you – I think it would be just too difficult to know that you have Dinwiddie and Kyrie's gone, that you could have had him at your own by signing him. 
that it would be a painful pill to swallow knowing you make that swap. I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. Uh, a couple of jokes, Kyrie for Cashman and Boone. We'll give you Gary Sanchez for free. Kyrie Irving for Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Silas Marner says Kyrie Irving for Carl Anthony Towns, which yes, 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 and yes. No way Minnesota makes a deal like that. No way. None. No shot. But that you love. You get uh, the, a big that can stretch the floor and shoot, rebound. Uh, that's a no-brainer. Uh, no, no. And then he goes to Minnesota. So, like, with the sixer point where he could come back to torture you, you know if he's in Minnesota, you're never seeing him except for twice a season. Yes. This one's really, really interesting. Um, Kyrie Irving to the Utah Jazz for Mike Connolly and Royce O'Neal. That's like a real trade. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's a real trade. It's that's uh, like a, that's not like Donovan Mitchell, you know. Uh, yeah, that's like a real trade. Um, ooh, Utah, Utah makes that trade, right? Utah I mean, makes get, that in a second. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Utah Mike, Mike Connolly at this point in his career, and I know they'd have to wait before they traded him because they just signed him to that new contract. But when you look at his age, when you look at where he is in his NBA career, and look, Mike Conley's never been Kyrie Irving, you know, with all due respect. And Royce O'Neal's an excellent defensive player, and I know he's a big part of their roster, but still, you're upgrading yourself in a major way. Now you're creating your own big three, or at least a big two, with Donovan Mitchell and Kyrie Irving in that backcourt, which would be insane. Yeah. I, I, I think, to me, I would lean no. I would lean no. I'm not sure that I'm getting enough back. And, and look, Connolly is a fine player, but I'm also wondering about the fit next to James Harden because James Harden's the point guard. You know, I know Kyrie Irving's always been a point guard, but you can put a shooter right next to James. That's like ideally, if I'm trading Irving, what I would get. That's why Bradley Beal is so freaking perfect. Yeah, yes. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. The problem is, like you, like you alluded to it, it's a guy that's distributing, and Harden is the distributor, and you can't have Conley coming off the bench. He would just get buried there. To me, like, I feel like O'Neal is the more valuable piece for the team when they're in deep playoff runs or they're looking for a guy that can shoot and then can play some defense. But Conley, I, I mean, I guess if it's coming to the point where, like, you know he's never playing again, because this is the mandate and it's not changing, then you're like, okay, let's make a decision here. If we're going for a title, Connolly's better than than uh, nothing from Kyrie, who was in Nets jail. So yeah, but uh, it, that's a good one though. That was by far the best one where I had to. I, you have to think about that. And, and if they made that trade, I'd be like, okay, here we go, let's do it. And I, I'd have to accept it. But I, I I would not do it also. But but I. But I wouldn't be terrified if they did because I would accept it knowing where we are in reality. Anthony D has a three-way trade. Kyrie Irving to Philadelphia, Ben Simmons to the Pelicans, and Zion Williamson to the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, let's take a chance. Why the hell not? Now I don't know how the cap works there, but let's, let's do it. Nets have a great performance staff. Let's get him in here in Brooklyn, and we'll see what we got with Zion. He'd be a nice sixth man for us. All right, here's uh, from John Geromanos. I got two trades for you. One's realistic, one's a dream. Uh, Damian Lillard and Robert Covington for Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, Nicholas Claxton, and Cam Thomas. He did research to make sure the salaries match, hence why that's the trade. (laughs) Yeah, you have to do that. Well, yeah, you got to do it. And, you know, the, 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 the the uh, Portland Trailblazers are a mess right now. They're doing kind of like an internal review 
on their general manager. I don't think they're going to make any kind of move around Damian Lillard right now, especially because this organization's in flux. I've said this before, of course. Dame for Kyrie, you're doing. Even though Damian Lillard doesn't want to be on a dream team or a uh, super team, you'd make a deal like that. I don't think that one's out there. Uh, the realistic one he has is Kyrie Irving, Javon Carter, and Nick's, Nicholas Claxton for Brandon Ingram and Devontae Graham. I've always loved Brandon Ingram. Me but too. He's Kevin Durant Jr., except not really as good. Yeah, but that trade you have to make. I mean, the uncertainty with Kyrie that you could just get another player that could come in and score and get your buckets. I understand it's not the guard and you lose the uh, hypothetical depth at the position. I mean, Javon Carter hasn't hit a shot all season, but if you can get, you know, Brandon Ingram in here, you have, you have to do it and you figure it out. It's having too much talent's not a problem. Steve Nass is a mastermind, an early candidate for coach of the year. Let it rip, coach. All right, this is the one that I think people really want to make. All right, Kyrie Irving goes back home. And not mm. by home in terms of where he lives, because he lives here, but back home to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And in return, we bring home Jared Allen, and we got to make the money work. So let's say, uh, crap. Ah, uh, would they trade Colin Sexton? Yeah, they're looking to trade Colin Sexton. Sexton and Jared Allen for Kyrie Irving. You making that deal? Oh, my God. Jared Allen, I think the last five games is putting up like 16 and 20s. I mean, he's been a beast. He had another monster game tonight versus the Knicks. I have him in my fantasy league, so I've been keeping good track of it. Jared Allen has developed this year. He would be a nice fit rim protector, rebounder for the Nets. Yes, you make that, which is just crazy too. Like, yeah, you would trade. I mean, I mean, seriously, you would trade Kyrie. Let's let's take the salaries out of it. At this point, with everything that's happened with Kyrie and ha- as well as Jared Allen has played, you'd have to make that trade and not think twice about it. You, you'd have to do it. Now, I don't think you would ever go back to Cleveland, but I got one that, and I'm trying to sell myself on. Well, would Kyrie Irving go here? Would he go there? How about this one? All right, and it's kind of a variation of the Jared Allen thing. Kyrie Irving to the Indiana Pacers, right? Mm. It's Indiana. It's not, not, not terrible. Good basketball town. They love their NBA. And in return, the Nets acquire two players. And the contracts worked. I already looked it up. Karis LeVert and Miles Turner. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, yeah. No, That's no an absolutely? Absolutely. You're going absolutely on that one? For, you, you get a big that can spread the floor and shoot. And then you get a guy that's a two guard that can play off James Harden that knows the system has been here. Yeah, you got to do that. Well, I mean, well, well, I'm, okay, I'm realistic, well, Evan. This guy's not coming back. So at this point, anything that I mean, like Karis LeVert and Miles Turner is an upgrade to winning a championship to somebody that we just don't know day to day what's going to happen. Well, you I mean, know we what I mean? No, no, and I totally get that. I I think to myself, like Indiana would make a trade like that, right? I mean, it's not crazy. I mean, Miles Turner plays. is a guy. Say it again. If he's gonna, if he's legit gonna suit up for them, well, yeah, why would I think both teams would look? Here's the here's the other point with the Irving stuff. Even though there was that report months ago, he'll retire if he's traded. He can't play basketball right now for the Brooklyn Nets. If he wants to play basketball, it's gonna have to be with a different team. We haven't heard about any wish list of well, he'd go here, he'd go there. So it's not like we've heard anything about where he'd go. And by the way, L.A. and Golden State already have to be ruled out because they have the same restrictions. So I'm not even going to waste your time with a Laker, Clipper, or Warrior trade because it's the same crap. So 
if he wants to play basketball, he'd have to go somewhere. And so I think to myself, would he refuse to go to Indiana? And then on the other side, if you're Indiana, I don't think you view, as much as we love Karis LeVert, and we do, I don't think they view Karis LeVert and Miles Turner as building blocks, do they? As guys like, oh, my God, we can't trade them. No, but I mean, for the Nets, when you have Harden, Durant, you know, this becomes not, it's not Kyrie Irving, but if the guy's not here, you have Lavert, who can be a guy that could be the backup point in a lot of ways, can help spill minutes for Harden, can then play off him as a two guard, and then the Nets get their center, they can rebound, block shots, spread the floor, and shoot three points. It's almost just, well, yeah, we got to make this trade because he's not coming back. I don't, you know, would Kyrie suit up for Indiana? I think is an impossible question because getting inside of his brain is really difficult to figure out. He might do it, but yeah, of course, I love hooping. Here I go. Or he might say, I'm, I'm not going there. This is not what I signed up for. I'm a net. I'm not, I'm not doing it. Like, I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, the Nets are seven and three. Like, what is Kyrie Irving even doing right now? He's just kind of disappeared from all things because he's not playing. Like, is he is he watching this game? Is he is he seeing the Nets? Is he rooting for them to win? Does he care? Does he not care? It's just fa- it's just fascinating to think about yeah. in real time. But by, by the way, one trade I got while I was on the air that was intriguing, even though I said no to it, was Porzingis and Jalen Brunson for Kyrie oh, Irving. I like um, I, I like Brunson. I, yeah. I don't want anything to do with Porzingis. No, no, and, and I don't want anything to do with Porzingis either. But keep this in mind: like I believe Woj. I think when Woj says anything, there's always truth to it. So he said the other day, the Nets are listening on Kyrie Irving offers. They're not selling them. They're not calling teams. They're listening. And what I rack my brain about is what are the offers they're getting? Mm. Because remember, you've got to make salaries match. So you can't offer, well, we'll give you a second round pick for Kyrie Irving. No, you, you have to make contracts match. And Kyrie Irving is making $35 million. So to make contracts match, you have to offer big contracts. And usually... Big contracts are big time players or at least players that have established themselves. So, you know, we're we're having fun with all these random tweets and a few that I made up. But if they're really listening on offers, even if the offers aren't great, and I'm not saying they're being offered Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard or anything like that. But I am so curious, fascinated to hear what would those offers be? Because that also means there are teams out there that are willing to trade for him even with the unknown of his motivation to actually play basketball for them. Yeah. And that makes sense. So if you think about it from Dallas's perspective, I think you trade Porzingis saying we'll take a chance if Kyrie plays and say, that's better than what Porzingis has become because he's just been an utter disaster there. And he's just been a shell of himself with injuries, confidence, not the same player that he was when he was a member of the Knicks. I think if you're Dallas, you're like, hell, we'll take a chance. I don't even know if Kyrie Irving's going to play but I'd rather have a maybe from Kyrie way more than just what we've seen with this crap from Porzingis. And I would, it would be so much fun if you got Sean Marks off the record and be like, all right, all right, Evan, here you go. This is, this was the deals. This is, you ready to hear what Detroit offered us? You ready? You ready to hear what Oklahoma city said? I don't know. Although I think those two teams don't even have players that would match the salaries, but it would be awesome to hear what the, what the deals are. And I bet you, I bet you if there was one that did occur, it's Porzingis because it makes sense on so many levels. Yeah. No, you're right about that. One other uh, trade that was mentioned was Jamal Murray for Kyrie Irving. And obviously Jamal's coming off the major issue, but a uh, major injury, but their money actually matches. <laughs> so it could happen. And I, 
And I could see why that would make sense for Denver because they're trying to win a championship. They're like that final frontier of trying to win an NBA title. And the thing that really hurt them is the fact that Jamal Murray Mm -hmm. in the prime of his career tore his ACL, but he's still so young. He's still only, you know, he's only 24 years old, but I guess there's that fear of what will he be when he comes back? Uh, I would, I would do that by the way, I would absolutely take that flyer. I would bank on the fact that Jamal Murray can recover from the torn ACL and can come back and eventually be the guy that was blossoming into a, a postseason superstar not that long ago, especially in the bubble. Uh, would Denver do that? I mean, if they're desperate for an NBA championship, sure, because Kyrie Irving is the is the the sure thing when he's on the basketball court. But that one's intriguing, especially because he is coming off the torn ACL. I would do that in a heartbeat. I would take my chances on that. I like Jamal Murray. He was excellent in the bubble two years ago and really stood out as one of the best players in the league then. And the Nuggets, you pair Kyrie and Jokic, they've got one hell of a dynamic duo. Evan, are there any of the trades that you mentioned? Let's pretend Kyrie Irving was playing basketball. Would any of those trades entertain you at all? No. No, if Ky- dude, if Kyrie Irving's playing basketball, despite you know the worry of, oh, does he really want to play? Oh, he's going to leave for personal reasons. Oh, he gets hurt, which he does at the wrong time, which has been the case for years now. I would still try to win with this. I would still not be that intrigued by moving him. I think the move that I would say yes to is probably just the Damian Lillard kind of stuff like fan or Carl Anthony Towns, fantasy yeah. moves like that. Outside of that, no. I, I think when you've got three superstars, especially three superstars who can play together, I think mm-hmm. we saw that even the limited time they were out there were the different combinations that we saw. I think you ride with that. I think you run with that. So, no, this is all about the fact that he's not available right now. And I stand by what we said when we were talking about this a month ago. I I don't think he's ever getting vaccinated. And I can't bank on the rules of New York City changing. And it's it's sad that we as Net fans are looking at everything new Mayor Adams says and trying to say, well, is he going to change the rules? He's going to do this. He's going to do that. Like, this is what it's come to where we're going to analyze his answers to Wolf Blitzer to see if he's going to change the wording of the mandate. I can't bank on that happening. Now, the good news is this team is seven and three. This team is creating kind of a new identity. It's different. They're not as good without Kyrie Irving. Anyone who suggests they're better is a moron. Obviously, they'd be a better team, a more dangerous team with Kyrie out there. But this is obviously still a really, really good team without him. Um, This is going to be interesting, man, because I, I just get this feeling that the Nets are open to trading them more open than they've ever been. So I think this exercise of the last half hour, however long we've gone on about this, it may sound like a fantasy or dopey or whatever. I think the Nets are listening and I would not be put it this way. There's a much better chance the Nets trade him than Kyrie Irving is playing basketball and he's fully vaccinated. Well, I think the longer he's away from the team, the easier it is to make the trade because as the season goes on and this team bonds and you've got Blake Griffin and uh, Patty Mills putting on their hard hats and the team builds chemistry, the more and more they will forget about Kyrie Irving and the easier it will be when Sean Marks goes to Kevin Durant and he says, hey, we, we're here. We are 50 or wherever we are in the standings, we're 45 and 18. We're at the deadline. Like We, we got to make this deal, Kevin. We're going to try to win a title. And he goes, you know what? I love Kai. He came here with us, but 
he's gone. Let, let's make the trade. And as time elapses, and I think I'm learning this in real time, I'm forgetting about Kyrie Irving and the winning helps. If they were losing, I wouldn't forget about him. But because they're winning and playing well, I don't even go into these games like, where's Kyrie Irving? It's just an afterthought. And I also want to give, I just laugh at the fact that like some producers probably in Wolf Blitzer's ear going, ask about Kyrie Irving, ask about Kyrie Irving. <laughs> like that's the part of the interview that goes viral and not like about like winning New York. Like I, to me, it's just so funny. Like Wolf Blitzer asking about Kyrie Irving. And it's just, to me, it's just so stupid. Yeah. And I, and I don't understand why or the motivation for Eric Adams to say something that was so incorrect. I mean, because his answer was, I'm sure the NBA and Kyrie Irving are going to figure it out. And we all know that's not the case. It's the mandates in New York City. Politics. You can't. There's a lot involved there. You can't. I know. I know. I know. Well, the Nets are hot. They've won five in a row. We'll talk to you in a couple of days. Thank you for listening to the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast. You can check out uh, Basegli's many other podcasts, including the uh, fair the uh the bad weather fans i always screw it up i always think okay. like fair weather but it's the bad weather fans where he and a nick fan basically argue with each other and uh you've been getting the last laugh recently man because bing bong bing bong here's ricky rubio <laughs> oh, i'm so yeah, i'll say this when the nets play the knicks if the nets are fortunate enough to be the, beat the knicks I don't want Nets Twitter making bing bong jokes. Like let's let, let's let's be bigger than that. Let's get bro, the W's. Bro, don't be don't be foolish. Of course that's going to happen. The Cleveland Cavaliers were making bing bong Ugh. jokes after they beat the Knicks. So you can only imagine what Nets Twitter is going to do. Of course there'll be bing bong jokes. I Scary just hours. made one about Ricky Rubio. So let's be honest. Thirty seven um, though. Turn back the clock night for I Ricky know. Rubio, who was drafted ahead of Steph Curry. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this is even turning back the clock. I don't think Ricky Rubio is ever capable of scoring 37 points and hitting as many threes as he did. Uh, But check out Mike and, of course, me and Craig Monday through Friday, 2 o'clock on the fan. Thanks for listening to the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast.